This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From our virtual studios in the Netherlands and Camarillo, California, It's time once again, ladies and gentlemen, for the absolute best podcast in marketing, considered by many to be the number one marketing podcast in the world. It is the Marketing Geeks podcast. Hello, everybody. In fact, an anonymous listener, anonymous person said that it was the greatest podcast of all time. And that was anonymously filed. And we're going to keep the we're going to keep that person a secret because we don't want to reveal their identity, obviously. Uh, But you know what? That's right. They're still under investigation. It is. Now, do we have your permission to give you an awesome episode today? Do we have your permission to just make you feel amazing and learn incredible content? Well, you're in luck. Because we have the show that will give you the permission you need. We will ask for it graciously and dish it out in ways that will make you smile. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, once again, it's time for the Marketing Geeks. Marketing Geeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello, everybody's. We're back again. And uh, man, uh, I have to apologize. Our last show, was it our last show or the show before, I, which I loved and it was really great. I, I was recording unbeknownst to me from my Bluetooth uh, headphones and not my my new mic. And so I sounded like pretty awful. So I apologize. I double checked several times. So um, I want to start with an apology. I, uh, so I have shamed the family. I'm sorry. Well, I'm glad. And that, that's all I got to say. I'm glad you're Nothing sorry. Better. I'm glad, glad you're sorry. You know, um, I needed that apology and now I feel a lot better. I think our, I think our seven Good. or so listeners out there, they probably feel pretty well Whew. as well. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I just had a good cry. I'm 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 back to back to my good old cheery self at this point. Man, uh what a week it's been, I got to tell you. Yeah. Uh and uh I 
I, I have also lined us up an amazing guest for our next show, which I will reveal not now, but uh, we will reveal it when we have the guest on because he's a very busy uh, person, but uh, an awesome, uh, probably, I would say this is probably going to be one of our ho- most high profile guests that we've ever had on the show. And I will reveal that with your permission later. Absolutely. I mean, this, I think it will be our most high profile and yeah, the most famous person yet to be on the show. So it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. I know who it is, but I can't tell you because that's a secret. That's right. That's right. We have been sworn to secrecy. It is, uh, it is a beautiful rainy evening here in the Netherlands right now. And um, how was your week, man? Tell me, tell me what the highlight of your week. You know, I was down in Orange County this weekend and visiting my good friend, Dan, who's the owner of Cheshire Tech, of course. My wife and my baby came with and my my baby, who's had a cold for a while, started like hacking up a lung and coughing real, real deep. And, and so I'd never heard anything like this and it was getting into his lungs. And so we, we had to go to the emergency room. And so on Friday night, we had this adventure going from the first, uh, or not emergency, but urgent care. The first urgent care turned us down. The did not take the insurance, so we had to go to the second urgent care, who then let us in um, to reveal that it was croup cough, and that the baby was okay. But you know, there's nothing they can really do except give him a little bit of Tylenol and wait it out. So we are doing that. So that was my events of the weekend. As far as marketing goes, a lot of podcast editing, a lot of podcast work, and other than that, it's been pretty awesome. Yeah, I uh, I love it, man. I I, I have um, a uh, I'm working currently uh, for a very large company, which I I can't really reveal right at the moment, but um, uh, I probably will because uh, I just started. So before I you know talk crap, I have to like make sure it's all cool. But uh, but I've um, I'm doing a, a global campaign for a tech company right now, and I had to do the whole thing like set up the. Uh, uh, the whole Google framework for them. And uh, I have to upload all their videos. They had nothing. And so I am going in there and uh, uh, for this very large tech company, this is a really big gig. It's like one of my bigger, bigger gigs. But, uh, you know, every time I do one of these, I'm able to ask for more money. So that's always a swell uh, little thing. But I'm uh, I'm actually going to to at some point do a rundown of everything I did for this company and how to set up a global campaign for uh, a tech company at uh, at some juncture. I'm going to do that. But uh, with your permission, I would like to introduce uh, what we're going to talk about in this fabulous show. Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Do I ha- can I get can I get can I get can I get a buy-in from you on this? Yes. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Then I will continue. Uh, I just read a really interesting book called Permission Marketing by Seth Godin. And uh, this came out in uh, 1999, uh, really before the uh, the advent of, of what we now know as the internet. But a lot of the uh, things that were in there, because it was written right about the time that the internet was starting to take over our lives. And uh, it, it, it talks about the difference between permission marketing and disruptive marketing. And disruptive marketing, when I was a kid, I would, uh, you know, be eating my uh, Captain Crunch cereal until the stalactites of flesh were hitting my tongue. And uh, and by by noon on a Saturday, I all I wanted was 
McDonald's because uh, every commercial break was a McDonald's commercial. And uh, the, the Happy Meal was just invented. And uh, that, with that, you know, it, it, the, the commercials were sometimes better than the shows and they would interrupt the shows and uh, give me a 30 second piece of entertainment. And if, if you were interrupted in your show, you had, you know, as a, as a marketer, you had 30 seconds to grab someone's attention. But, uh, but with permission marketing, it is a type of marketing where you don't disrupt what someone is doing. You, uh, you basically elicit a mechanism so somebody wants to be marketed to. They, you, they give you permission to market and, and Facebook has definitely made this easier, but uh, I want to get into what permission marketing is and how uh, how you can leverage it for your business. So uh, that is going to be our big topic for the day. What do you think? Tell me, I, tell me, what do you think? I love it, and you know, you made me think back to to my childhood watching uh, Saturday morning cartoons and whatnot, and. You know, it, it was, it's crazy, like the commercials that they aired back then, because it was like every commercial for me, I'm a little bit younger than you, but it was like a breakfast cereal, animated characters selling me sugar, mm -hmm. sugar, whatever, sugar puffs, sugar, this sugar, that, and, uh, or it was McDonald's back when the, back when the setting, uh, the slogan was food, folks and fun. Remember that one? Yeah. And, uh, and then also, uh, I mean, I just, I, I remember like all these little jingles. I mean, these jingles like stick, they kind of stick sure. in your mind and they, uh, and they last a long time. And also the, the one that like, I probably saw a commercial 10,000 times was the, uh, the Tootsie Roll and the Owl. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Let's find out. One, right. two, and three, <laughs> three. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right and and uh and those types of ads don't really work anymore in fact uh you know my son uh my four-year-old he doesn't really watch any type of of advertising at all because uh if he watches youtube he just skips all the ads um in fact the advertising that he's most uh exposed to is when uh, i allow him some time to play mobile games on my on my phone and uh, if the game is free, then he gets uh, a lot of advertisement uh, on, on, on the phone through like app uh, advertisements. But other than that, he, you know, he watches Netflix and that's and, and movies that I download, but he doesn't really watch those types of things. And, and this is going to be uh, common. So except for that, except for that well-placed product placement on those Netflix shows. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Those those are always very effective. Um, so so nowadays, you know, you you have to basically create the types of advertising where people uh, voluntarily want to be advertised to, whether it's a, uh, a a newsletter or whether it's a website that has a specific niche blog that people want to go to over and over again. Or in the case of Justin and I, AppSumo, where we uh, oh my God. go to on a regular basis to buy stuff. And uh, I voluntarily give them like all my products. money. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. It's uh, it's uh, it's addictive. So so you know th there there are ways to do permissive marketing and uh, ways to not do it. But we'll get into that. But first, I think that we need to get into some marketing news. Yes, marketing news. What do you got for us this week, man? Let's start with uh, the Amazon HQ2 story. So this uh, from the Washington Post. 
states that two sources have confirmed that internal discussions at Amazon have discussed the possibility of moving the facility away from New York after backlash from local politicians and the community, including from um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So I don't I don't know all the details about um, the what exactly is going on with the political arguments. It's uh, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I would think that this would be a good economic booster for that community, and it would attract more growth. Um, but I haven't heard the arguments on the other side, so it's tough for me to really judge in completely. But this is interesting because uh, one of the one of the finalists for the Amazon HQ2 headquarters was Oxnard, California, which is kind of my backyard. So, Amazon, if you're listening, let's go to Oxnard. Bring it in. Bring it over here. I don't care. I want it in my backyard. You know, what's interesting about that is uh, um, I'm actually thinking about opening up a, a side business here in the Netherlands at some point. Uh, Amazon has been trying to get into the Netherlands for quite a while, and they're, they're probably going to do it. But there's a lot of companies out here that don't have any idea on how to get onto the Amazon marketplace. So uh, that is a business into itself. You know, we, we've done some work around that space, but... Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's permeated all our lives and of course created the retail apocalypse. So <laughs> now speaking uh, of, speaking of old... Amazon, this is a story I actually wasn't even going to bring up, but I, now that you mentioned Amazon, I remember actually, I guess I brought up Amazon, but, uh, Jeff Bezos has, um, gotten the, it's the, the federal government is now investigating the national Enquirer for potential extortion. Um, on the story that the Inquirer threatened Jeff Bezos to release nude photos of him if he, they if he didn't uh, pay up or, or, or I don't know exactly I don't know the entire details I'm doing this off the top of my head I read this story over the weekend he but there was an extortion he owns plot. he owns a newspaper he owns a newspaper and basically he said tell your newspaper not to report on the stories that we don't like and usually because uh, Jeff Pecker that's his name ladies and gentlemen. Uh, is the who's the owner of National Choir is very good friends with uh, individual number one, uh, aka President Forty Five. He uh, he has uh, decidedly uh, gone public with the story, and um, now the uh, the National Choir, which was under investigation from uh, Mueller, is now backpedaling hard on this whole thing. So uh, that is going to be very interesting, specifically because Gawker Media which was a very huge website for a while, was shut down essentially when it was sued by uh, Hulk Hogan. And uh, I don't know if you know the story behind all of this, but uh, Hulk Hogan uh, had a sex tape that was leaked by Gawker Media and Gawker Media was sued out of existence, but it turned out the entire lawsuit was being funded by this guy who uh, was a Silicon Valley billionaire and yeah, hated Peter, Gawker. Peter Thiel, because, right? Uh, Peter Thiel. That's or, right. Yeah. That's right. Because uh, they outed him. So, uh, so it's 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 going to be very fascinating to see what happens. Man, do we live in some crazy times? Um, we, we certainly, you know, we so certainly we'll, do. Where the uh, National Enquirer is part of our political discussions, and Jeff Bezos is starting federal investigations, and. I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I mean, and, and like, like you said, I think last episode, if we, if we had a time machine and we were looking forward to the future right now, we'd be like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact that, that Jeff, Jeff Bezos, uh, sent some dick pics that got intercepted. So, uh, billionaires, they're just like us, <laughs> I guess. <laughs>
<laughs> so uh, I got a story. This is this is actually kind of a big, big deal. It sounds small, but German regulators order Facebook to limit its data tracking systems. Mm. So uh, this is kind of interesting because the GDPR, which is the uh, set of rules that basically limited how people do email marketing and collect data, uh, affected the yeah data protection basically. Yeah, yeah it, but it, but it affected everybody. It affected like the you know once the European Union went into effect with this, uh, then the entire planet was basically affected by these same exact rules. And uh, well, you're affected because most uh, most American businesses will do if you interact with anyone from Europe, you're technically affected whether uh, whether they're a customer or not. So if you have anyone from the European Union on your email list, you're affected. Now, if you if you only had U.S. citizens on your email list, you'd be fine. But how do you know really? Because a lot of times you don't even know who's opting in, who's opting out. So that's why everybody is affected. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this is a story from social media today. Uh, but uh, basically, it says uh, this is the first of many uh, rulings. And the German Federal Cartel Office has found that Facebook is abusing its market power by combining data from Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and third-party website. And as a result, FCO has ruled that Facebook will now have to seek explicit consent from German users to collect and combine such information. And they'll probably do that in their terms of service, like you know, when you sign up, do you agree to this long list, laundry list of things that um, <laughs> include, you know, every single piece of your data? But, uh, but there was a wonderful uh, there's a wonderful South Park episode about that where um, they're like, you didn't read the agreement. And when they when they uh, I think it was like Stan or something didn't read the agreement. And part of it was that if you if you opt into this, you agree to be sewed into a human centipede. And there's a great South Park episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you mentioned that. That's uh, uh, but it's it, it, you know, nobody has time to read any of these agreements. But uh, anyway, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that, because if if it indeed. Uh, what this means is that if German regulators order Facebook to limit its data tracking, that means that targeted advertising, which people rely on and which Facebook relies on for its income, will be uh, tremendously crippled. So, uh, or Facebook will just pull out of Germany. You know, we'll we'll see. We'll keep an eye on. Yeah, that which is possible. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll just keep an eye on that and uh, see where that goes. So uh, I got another story here. This is kind of interesting. Facebook page owners will soon be able to participate in groups. Now, uh, if, for those of you who – groups are very effective, especially if you're a marketer, creating uh, a Facebook group so you can have ongoing conversations and develop your – uh, develop your tribe, if you will. It's also a very good way to do permission marketing. But uh, uh, as a Facebook page, you couldn't participate in groups. Only individuals can participate in groups. So now um, Coaching Biz Mastery, can, which has its own Facebook fan page, can now participate in a conversation in a group as uh, coaching biz mastery and not as you know you know the problem with this though andros the yeah. problem with this is that we're going to get into people creating pages just to be anonymous and we are welcoming in the world of trolls onto facebook no so way it's going to be like twitter twitter 2.0 troll heaven and uh and now yeah i mean so if i'm running a group i'd, I'd be a little careful about which pages i accept into that group because 
there are, you know, there's probably some trolls that are going to sneak in there. Dude, I don't think there'll ever be trolls on Facebook. I think you're exaggerating. You're right. You're right. I'm, I'm overreacting. I am overreacting. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for bringing me back down. <laughs> but if you have a business, this is a good way to start engaging conversations and uh, raise your social awareness. If you start, because uh, some of these groups have like huge amounts of people, 50,000 people sometimes. So, you know, you could start uh, integrating, you know, your marketing messages, but like anything else, don't be too marketing uh, heavy. Otherwise, People are just going to ignore you. You've got to really make engage. sure you have permission. Make sure you have permission. Exactly. Always ask permission. That's what I tell my son. Whenever uh, my son loves like hugging, especially like when a, when he sees a little girl crying or something, he goes up and like hugs her. But uh, I've had to tell him like, listen, you need to ask permission. And the little yeah, girls are allowed that, to say no. Gotta get that consent, even if it's a robot. You need consent. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I gotta teach so four year olds. Teach them. Teach them consent. Early age. Uh, on Facebook, we also have an uh, interesting thing. This is from Marketing Land. Facebook pages will soon be able to respond to Instagram direct messages. So the feature oh. allows Facebook uh, recent announcement that it's working to integrate Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp. I covered this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but, uh, but what's interesting about this is that if you uh, have your Facebook page and you're engaging in that conversation on a marketing group, you can also get direct messages if someone's direct messaging your brand from Instagram or WhatsApp. You can get that message on uh, Facebook as well. So they got to be a, they got to be a little careful with this because we you know last week we had the uh, marketing professor on and he was talking about how uh, the young generation doesn't go on Facebook but a lot of them are on Instagram. So if there's too much cross pollination there. And I mean, there's probably, probably a lot of these people, a lot of the young uh, kids don't realize that Facebook owns Instagram. I mean, they might realize it, but they, you know, they kind of ignore it. But if the more, the more that they integrate together, the more likely it is that they might jump ship too. So that's, they got to be a little cautious on that side. Well, you, you know, how these things are, man, it's only a small matter of time uh, before, you know, the younger generation is going to jump ship anyway. I mean, one of these days there's going to be something new. And uh, all of these platforms are going to be a ghost town. So uh, that is the evolution. Well, it's it's going to be virtual reality or augmented reality. Whoever whoever can come up with something along those lines. I don't know what it'll be yet, but it's going to be a one. It's going to be in that. Yeah, area. yeah. Well, implants is what I'm what I'm thinking. Oh well, brain. Yeah, neural neural implants. You know, uh, Elon Musk has an investment in a company that is developing neural implants right now. I don't know if that's scary or cool. I'm not. I'm not too sure. You know. Yeah, I, I don't know yet. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting because you know if uh, if you don't get a neural implant, you're going to fall very far behind everybody else. But you might also still be alive when they're all dead. So that's true because exactly. uh, everyone with a neural implant <laughs> is suddenly going to want uh, you know some uh, some sports drinks because it's what's ca- it's what 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 maybe cows I'll wait, crave. Maybe I'll wait till. Uh, Maybe I'll wait till version 2.0 and let the beta version go first, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm usually – I'll wait till version 4 comes out for these types of things. Uh, you you came across an interesting story. This actually kind of affects us. It's um, uh, the big announcement from Spotify. You want to get into that? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, this is big. And we – I mean, first of all, let me say that we just love and adore Spotify. What an amazing platform. Let's give them a round of applause. Yay! I actually, I, I, I'm not lying about this. I, I have said this on and off the record. I would pay for Spotify before I pay for food because I love Spotify. That is I, true. You have said I that have on said the that. show. You said that yeah. on the show before this happened. 
but yeah, so Spotify has purchased um, Anchor, which is a podcasting hosting platform. It happens to be the one that this show is hosted on. And they have purchased Gimlet, which I am not as familiar with Gimlet, but it's a podcast network and, uh, and they are hosting podcasts as well, I guess. So they, they have uh, purchased both of those platforms and they are really amping up their podcasting um, marketing going forward. So uh, we did a story at the very beginning of the year that said Spotify wanted to expand their podcast influence this year. And this move uh, cements that as fact. Yeah. And and uh, um, but the thing is, is that like I don't actually use Spotify for listening to podcasts because uh uh, I can't speed up the 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 podcast, and and when I listen to podcasts, I actually double the speed. I listen. I use something called Castbox, and uh, uh, that way I can listen to podcasts in, in half the time. But um, uh, the uh, the Gimlet Media is is basically like a production company, and they have uh, some really good podcasts. Some of my favorites, uh, Reply All, if you haven't heard that, is one of my favorites. Uh, Science versus uh, uncivil. Uh, a lot of these are are you know super well done uh, podcasts. Mogul, uh, you know, and and if you if you just go into any podcasting app and just look up Gimlet Media, you'll see the types of shows that they have. So basically, what they're doing is uh, uh, they're consolidating you know the platform in a way that's going to be everything sound related. They're they're I think they're going to try and be like the Amazon of of audio, because uh, if you look at, uh, you know, what there's some of their other purchases that they've done, uh, they have, for instance, they bought uh, uh, a Soundtrap, which is a, uh, a, a music uh, making app that you can get online and create music. So, you know, people can create music, upload it to uh, Spotify, they can uh, have podcasting and upload it to Spotify like we did. But it's a it's a very interesting sort of dynamic now that they're getting into because not only is it uh, podcasting but music and uh, music creation. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, they want to like you said they want to take over the audio platform side of things, and I think they see some vulnerability in iTunes because even though uh, even though iTunes has the market right now, they they haven't really been like updating their algorithms. They haven't really been kind of monitoring everything that's happening on iTunes. So I think Spotify sees an opportunity there to take over the market. And I actually think they're right. Yeah. The, the other thing is, yeah. Well, you know, the biggest competitor it was is iHeartMedia and they bought something called Stuff Media for 55 million um, and consolidated its podcast uh, assets under the Stitcher brand. So, uh, you know, I think it's just a way for them to stay, stay competitive, much like Disney buying, uh, you know, creating their own streaming network. Yeah. And, and maybe Spotify is listening and they'll get, they'll add that, uh, speed up, uh, speed up play adaption to the network so that you can stay on Spotify instead of going to Castbox. Could be. And if they, if they do do that, we're going to take credit for it, regardless of if it's totally coincidence, we'll take credit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we take credit for a lot of things that we don't even have anything uh, to do with. Right. That's right. That's right. That's what we do. It's our MO here. That's what marketers do. Uh, so uh, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and get into the meat of our program, which is uh, permission marketing. I've read this book. I'm going to give you the, the, the little kind of bullet points 
uh, that the book offered. And, you know, we can just discuss each of those bullet points because I know that you are actually very well versed in this subject coming from the uh, seminar world. A lot of the seminar world has to do. Yeah, this coaching and business. Yeah, coaching, like personal growth coaching, business coaching, uh, seminars, high ticket sales from the stage. We're talking 10,000 to 100,000 from the stage. I've, I've seen both. Um, and yes, these principles come into play big time on those kind of sales. So uh, basically, this book was written again in 1999, before the internet really came online. Uh, but there's a couple of interesting points here. Um, first of all, he talks a, a little bit about uh, this. This book was uh, written by uh, Seth Godin, and I've never met Seth Godin personally, but I'm sure he's a lovely person. Love to have him on the show. Uh, so it talks about how traditional advertising that relies on interrupting customers has been losing its effectiveness over the years. And again, you know, early in the show, we were talking about uh, watching McDonald's commercials, but uh, especially with the internet. You, you can't be interrupted uh, anymore. And, and in fact, when people see that, they tend to reject it. So um, because of that, there, there needs to be kind of new types of ways to uh, get people to buy into whatever it is you're selling, your product or your service. So uh, one of the ways that um, uh, you do this is you basically have to get people to volunteer their attention, right? Uh, you were mentioning the, uh, the, the commercial for Tootsie Pop or some of the jingles for some of these, uh, <laughs> Tootsie Rolls. Yeah. Tootsie or, Rolls. No, Tootsie Pop. You're right. Tootsie Pop. Yeah. Yeah. It was Tootsie Pop. That's right. It was, That's it was right. The lollipop. And, uh, you know, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back ribs, you know, like those types of things. Uh, Chilies. That's right. That's right. And so, so, uh, <laughs> So, so now, and, and, you know, the, the point of those is that the, the jingle keeps playing in your head on repeat over and over again until you go insane. But it's basically the marketing keeps going even after you stop watching the ad. But, uh, but with permission marketing, it's more effective because you get your customer's attention by them giving permission to be advertised to. So, uh, a barbecue sauce. <laughs> I know it's a virus, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, so, so, you know, it's, it's basically the, the example he gave was that, uh, hooked on phonics, which is, I don't even know if they're still around, but they were a U.S. Uh, based company that helped children improve their reading skills. And, uh, the company launched these radio advertisements that basically invited parents to call a hotline to learn more. That was it. And uh, so it, it was really up to the parents to decide whether or not they wanted to participate and get more information. And they found this very effective. Instead of just advertising, they made this offer where they like call this number. And, you know, we did see that in, in other circumstances before, but now more and more, almost every website has like an opt-in for an email or even you'll see a, uh, you know, do you want to get uh, notifications from this website? So, uh, which is also very effective, but, uh, but you've got to, well, don't forget also that the, the current, the current model of, um, when you're opting in typically is they're going to give you something for free. So the way they're getting your permission to give your email also is they're going to give you, uh, something of value in exchange. Right. So it's kind of like this exchange that's taking place. So that's usually going, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. They, uh, some people call them lead magnets. You could call them, um, 
what they call uh, a ethical bribe is another way of looking at it. But you're you often will give them like a a report, like a PDF document or um, some sort of template or a video training, like a short one, or or even a short audio uh, training. But you give that, you get them to opt into the list. Um, they've given permission to be on the list, and then you can start having a regular conversation with them um, and take that relationship from uh, point A to point B. And, and that brings up uh, one of the points that uh, that he brought up in the book, which is that permission marketing, you know, it still requires interruptions, but they are focused and frequent and must appeal to a consumer's self-interest. So, you know, you've got to, you, you've got to offer something that's obvious and has obvious and clear benefits, right? And, and so it's like obvious to the person that it's going to benefit them. Um, the message needs to be repeated frequently, and uh, but you have to really focus your efforts. So uh, focus it just in in your specific uh, demographic. So that that would be like uh, the the um, the example that he used was was the LL Bean catalog. So people back in the day before the internet used to have catalogs sent to them, but uh, but they would opt in to get the catalog sent to them, right? So there was, uh, you know, it was a different type of uh, thing, but but you really had to want to get that information sent to you in order for it to be uh, valid. So uh, so the, the thing is, is that if you want someone to, to come in to buy into what you're doing, you can't just, you say, sign up for our newsletter. You've got to really give them a reason to want to sign up for it. And... So I've, I've talked about this as well, but I'm going to bring it up again. So HubSpot, which uh, they run a CRM and they're an online marketing company, for lack of a better term, um, they they have terms related to this. They call it inbound versus outbound marketing, where outbound marketing is the disruptive stuff that we've already covered. Inbound marketing is attraction marketing too. So when you're when you're doing this, let's talk about some examples here. We want to attract people. We want to disarm their uh, defenses too. So, like when you're looking at ads on your timeline on Facebook, um, if if the ad screams to you that I'm an ad, that's going to be the most disruptive type. If it's more organic and it's more native to um, to the to the platform that's on, those are considered more friendly. And if they're more conversational, uh, those are also uh, favorable. Now, Andres, I, I did want to backtrack one second because you had mentioned that you have to these ads seem to appeal to people's self-interest as well. And in yeah. business, I mean, two of the best ways that you can appeal to people's self-interest are ads that tie into um, saving time and making money. I mean, those are like the core principles of almost every ad you see out there. I mean, they, they, you know, the, the verbiage yeah. changes, but ultimately the core benefits of most business offers are I'm going to help you save time or help or, or make more money or both. And that's, uh, right. that's what we see time and time again, um, whether they're selling a software, whether they're selling a consulting service, whether they're selling an MLM, whatever it is, it's save time, make money. That's a good point. That's a good point. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody wants to be rich and, and, and beautiful and have free time. So, you know, you, part of marketing is offering something to people's base needs on that level. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it's kind of interesting cause you, you brought up another point, which is making sure and we've, we've talked about this several times, making sure that if you are creating an ad of some sort, it's got to look like it's part of 
the stream of the platform. Uh, and, and, you know, a perfect example is I, I had a client for a short time, which was a beauty company. And uh, part of the reason that I didn't work with them any longer is because the Facebook advertising that they were doing was just terrible. It was just like their, the, like pictures of their, of, of like a, a stone face model, just like looking at, at their, you know, at the camera and, uh, and showing boxes of their product. And it, it, it was, it was terrible advertising because it screamed, you know, this is an ad and, uh, the best, uh, the best results they had is an advertising campaign I did for them where they were able to find an influencer who posted on their social media platform. And I took that ad, uh, that piece of content that they made, and I turned it into an ad uh, for their product and put it on Facebook and Instagram. And it did really, really, really well. And so I had to have a conversation with the owner of the company. And I said, listen, the way you're doing it is wrong. You can't do it this way. Look at the numbers. And uh, he felt that it was more important to do things the way that they've always been done rather than take a chance and try this new thing. But uh, I've done the research, folks. If you, don't, if, you, if you don't make advertising that looks like it's posted by someone else, like a friend or something, uh, and it's just like an advertisement for a product, you're wasting your money. Yeah, and um, I, wanna, I wanna add two things, because the other way you can do this, and I'm part of a, um, a Facebook community where I pay to be a part of it, and mm -hmm. we've talked a little bit about messenger ads in that community and what the people that are having success with it, and I'm not running messenger ads currently, and I have not really gotten into it yet, but I, I, these are just from people that I've talked to in this group. Um, they say that they are acknowledging that they're an ad because messenger ads are just by design, they're going to be disruptive no matter what. So instead of even trying to look native, because you can't look native in messenger, they just kind of, they're like, Psst, I'm an ad, check this out. And apparently when they, uh, you're kind of surprising people, you're kind of disrupting their, I mean, you're disrupting their pattern, but you're, you're surprising them because they expect to see an ad that they want to ignore. And all of a sudden this is an ad that's saying, I'm an ad check. Or I don't remember exactly what they're saying, but, uh, you know, they're acknowledging they're an ad and they were getting better traction by doing that, by actually acknowledging it and, and kind of the element of surprise. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, I read a book called Piranha Marketing with uh, Joe Polish, who is still a mm. major, major player in uh, the marketing world. But this book was written in the late 90s also. And he he was talking about how he would, in the yellow pages even, if you, if you don't know what the yellow pages are, they were this, they were this phone book. Back when we had printed phone books with everybody's phone numbers in there and, they, everyone, and there were lots of ads and that's how they funded that thing. Um, well, he would have people in the yellow pages that would have a phone number to call for pre-recorded messages. And uh, so instead of instead of having them call a company, they would call and get a pre-recorded message with some sort of a training, kind of like what's happening now with the internet. And he had an amazing um, success using that at that time. And we're still seeing we're still kind of seeing that model being had, even like pre-recorded webinars, pre-recorded this, pre-recorded that. Um, it's still it's still relevant to this day, even though the even though the mediums have changed. So uh, it, it's 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 funny how marketing, um, yeah, the mediums change, but the principles are always staying the same, and the, in, including those principles of influence. I mean, those are hardwired principles. So no matter what happens, uh, unless there's an evolutionary shift, those six principles of influence. Check back on our prior episodes to hear them all uh, will always be there. 
And, and you know, this, this is one of the points in the book that he brings up too, which is uh, that as consumers trust in a company grows, they allow for more continuous marketing. Right. So and this is this goes, this you know, uh, across the board, too, where uh, let's say you got the catalog, then you would go into the store and, uh, you know, you would get you would want to get more information from uh, a company. But uh, if uh, if somebody trusts the company, if they feel that uh, the company is worthwhile, their messaging is worthwhile, then they will allow themselves to be marketed to even more the the advertise the just the types of disruptive advertising that they have agreed to have becomes uh less and less of an issue if you continue i mean you can't bombard them too much mm -hmm. but if they're interested in what you have to say well think of apple think of apple for this think of apple yeah because apple i mean this is this is the apple model right people want them to create a product they want them to sell them something right right it's there there is such a they have such a following, and this, uh, and I think this is still the case. But when Steve Jobs was there, especially when it was like it was like this countercultural event when he would uh, introduce a product, um, people wanted them to sell them. Yeah. So that's what when we when we talk about this, like if you can create that, which is not, I mean, that's a that's probably the extreme example and the most successful example. But you're creating a, a tribe of raving fans about your business and people that will promote you without being paid even. I mean, how many people rave about their iPhone and, and who's getting paid for it, right? Yeah. So it's uh, it's amazing what taking care of your customers can do for you. Exactly. And and uh, but in this, you know, this can go across the board because you don't have to be an, uh, an Apple. Uh, I mean, one of the things that he talked about in this book is that if you're a local handyman uh, or you're an international airlines, you can use permission marketing on this level. So uh, basically if you, you know, if, if you do have a small business, uh, you can open up portals of customer service in a way that, uh, allows people to want to hear about your message or your service. If you're doing something that's, uh, kind of interesting or dynamic that involves them. I mean, even if you're a, uh, a plumber, uh, you know, you can keep people up to date. You can call them personally. Um, you know, one of the, the, the big, you have training on how to, how to unclog your toilet, five key ways to unclog your toilet now. <laughs> yeah. The fourth one will shock you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I do, I do want to, uh, I do want to tie this into seminars though, before we, uh, before we finish the segment, yeah. because uh, I have worked in the seminar industry. I've worked now for two pretty prominent coaches out there. Uh, I'm not going to say their names, but one of them sold a $100,000 package from the stage. The other one sells anywhere from ten to 25000 from the stage. And both of them used a, a semblance of permission marketing before they make their offer. So after, usually these events are anywhere from three to five days. And these are seminar events. They have about 100 people in the room. And on usually day three or day four, they're going to make a paid offer. And before they make that offer, they transition into it by... Has everyone, they'll say something like, has everyone gotten a lot of value out of all the material we shared with you this weekend? And they'll get a, they'll get a show of hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how would you like to continue the conversation even after this event? But the great line is how would you like to continue the conversation? And usually they'll get some, some opt in there. And, and then they'll say, with your permission, I'd like to share how you can continue to work with us going forward. Hmm. And when you say it like that, people will raise their hands and you'll have permission to transition into the offer. 
And if there are people that resist, that's okay. They, they can go up and use the bathroom or whatever they need to do. But the people that are interested are now engaged and they've trans, they've, their brains have switched from um, learning mode to, okay, this is going to be a sale. And they're, they're pre-framed. They're pre-framed to go into kind of buying mode. And so it's a, it's a nice transition to move into the sale. And it's, it's, a very, it's very effective for them. And there's a lot more that goes into an offer than just that. But that's uh, step one of a very successful offer. Yeah, and that's uh, uh, that's a great way to lead people in. And you know, one of the things that you need to also consider is that this is really like a, a relationship building technique. And uh, you know, it's not only do you do you try to elicit permission from people, but it's also a way to develop a longer relationship where, you know, everybody wants to feel special. A few uh, uh, months ago, I, uh, we did um, a show where I covered the, uh, the classic how to, to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Good book. And it's a great book. And one of the things that he mentioned is that a person's name is the sweetest sound. So say it often. And, uh, you know, if, if you, um, and this is like, uh, all of social media is, is around this. Like people want to be acknowledged for their posts. I mean, I, I hate to admit it, but if I put something on Reddit that I think is very clever and I get downvoted or people don't like, it doesn't shoot up to the top of the page. I, I get a little, I get a little butthurt, man. I have to admit it. So, you lose so, the dopamine. You don't get the dopamine. I, I, I get the dopamine fix that I want. I want the dopamine fix. <laughs> What's so, that high, man? I want that high. I'm chasing the high. So, you know, the thing is, is that those little tiny things, uh, once you somebody gives you permission and you start growing that trust yeah. as a business, uh, you know, you need to continue to develop that relationship and build that trust. And and by that time, if somebody feels like they really connect with you, uh, then it, 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 they'll say yes to, to anything. Well, and I want to share one more thing, and I hope that our audience will give me permission to share this. Uh, I'm going to talk about a company that I am associated with because I think it's important and it's relevant in this context. The company is called Banner Season. Um, if you've read the show notes, you've probably heard of them in the past. But what they are is they are a company that allows you to send personalized gifts like you could create mugs, you can create golf balls with people's logos on them or pictures of on them. Um, you can create all these different kinds of, of gifts and including even tape measures and cards and you can send them to your clients. And the reaction that I get when I do it is incredible and in it's built deeper bonds with my clients and it's brought them and they've become more attracted. They all of a sudden they're marketing for me for free. They're posting it on Facebook. They're posting it on social media. They're referring me business because they like me more because I'm actually doing something that nobody else does. Marketers need to do what other people are not willing to do. And one of the things is to buy your customers and gifts. And it's been a huge success for me. So I, um, an example is if I have a client, I will go to banner season and I will, I will find either their logo. If they're a business, I'll find their logo, or I will find a picture of them and their family, or I will find a picture of their pets or their kids. And I will put them, I will put them on a mug. <laughs> and you'll say, nice, nice kids you got there. It'd be a shame if anything happened to them. So about exactly. that deal we're going to exactly. do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's a strategy I haven't tried yet, but I, I will send you. Got some, I will put you got a on. very lovely family. <laughs> Here's a mug. a mug. I got a picture of him. Well, if you have if you have some rapport, I mean, if this is a complete stranger, yeah, it's oh. not going to work. But if you have some rapport, oh, and you know okay. the client, you know the client a little bit. 
you, you send them a mug, you send them a card, you have their logo, their information, their name on it. Not, I'm not promoting my business. I'm promoting their business to themselves. Uh, they absolutely love it. They're going to display it uh, um, on their desk or at their work. Other people are going to see it and um, they're going to go, who made that for you? And then they'll, you know, they'll reference me or whatever. And it's, it's, it's been an amazing tool for me in my business. So it's bannerseason.com. You need an invitation code. The invitation code is start. So bannerseason.com, invitation code start. If you have questions about it, message me on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. We could probably do like a 15-minute Zoom call. I could walk you through how it works. Um, or maybe I'll even do a pre-recorded training on it if I have enough people that are interested. But that's all. So uh, that's my that's my pitch on Banner Season. I, I really do believe it's an amazing tool. Um, you don't have to you don't have to threaten people's kids with it. You can actually make better relationships. <laughs> or, or you or you could do like David Pecker did, which is he just took Jeff Bezos' dick pics and then sent him to him on oh, a mug and, and then said, put him on a mug. Back yeah. off. Jack, or else, <laughs> or else I'm going to go public with these. Well, they do have tape measures. What if you put that on a tape measure? They'd have to get a small tape measure in my account. You know, I don't one know of why those, I said that. You know, you're weird. Dude, I don't know why. What? I, yeah, you're right. You're right. But and I'm the that, guy that lives in the Netherlands. But with that, you know, you know, uh, you know what? What is uh, not weird these days? What's not weird? That's right. Sex robots. They're becoming less weird as digisexuals become a thing in our world. That's right. The revolution is coming. The revolution is coming. It's it's time for the sex robot report. And um, this is from the uh, Daily Star Sunday. Uh, .co.uk. Sex robot addiction warning. Couples hooked on, quote, violent romps risk injury and death. I love that headline. It has sex robot violence, couples, and death. All in that one title, which is fantastic. That's a good title, yeah. Yeah, you like that? Um, it's got all the elements. So uh, sex robot developer Matt McCullen believes that uh, sex robots could be life-changing for socially awkward men who struggle for meaningful human relationships. Uh, but uh, but uh, other sex robot makers say that there's a concern of it having a dark side. Some psychologists believe that frequent use or un of realistic androids could fuel sex addiction and normalize perverse behaviors and fetishes in the bedroom. Uh, Dr. Becky Spillman, a psychologist and relationship expert for sex and toy brand WeVibe, said some more concerning predictions about sex robots should not be overlooked. And among the most serious concerns, she said, are the potential to, quote, normalize dangerous sexual practices. Let me and, say this. Uh, um, yes. Sex robots are not going to help awkward people become less awkward around the topic. I mean, the Internet's been around for quite a while, and I'm pretty sure that that awkward people get on the Internet and, and do their thing on there. And I'm pretty sure that when they go back out in public, nothing changes. I don't well, I don't see that helping. I don't. Yeah, and and you know the 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 thing that that she's saying that uh, an addiction to pornography that depicts violence or de degradation could transfer to rough play with a sex robot. Now, see, basically, this is that age-old argument that the um, 
that, you know, pornography is a gateway drug to like killing women or whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, did you, I watched the Ted Bundy documentary. And if you watch that documentary at the end, Ted Bundy says that all the people on death row, there's only one thing they had in common. They were all addicted to pornography. And uh, so he, you know, it also leads to serial killing. Yeah. So take it from Ted Bundy, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, if you ever come across a Ted Bundy sex robot, run away. Go the run other way. Away. And that concludes the sex robot report from the Marketing Geeks. Hope you liked it. This music is uh, Pottington Bear. Just got to throw that in there. Because uh, he uh, he puts uh, his music up on Creative Commons, and he allowed this piece of music to be laid bare. And this sex robot report was personally personally sponsored by Andre Sturgeon. That's right. I sponsor every single sex robot. Every single one of these reports are tested to the fullest ability. Um, a couple of geek news stories here. Not too not too many because uh, summer's about to begin. So, you know, I, I will definitely give you the kids movie edition on every single kids movie that's coming out. But uh, uh, I think it's prudent that we cover uh, some of the original movies on Netflix. The original movie I am covering is Polar. If you haven't seen that, it was released a few days ago with uh, the very awesome Mads McKinnelson. If you don't know, uh, I've, I've seen the cover. I've seen the cover because I, I like yeah. to scroll through what's available on Netflix. I've seen the cover, not seen the movie. Yeah, and and uh, for those of you who don't know who Mads McKillison is, he's the uh, he played the bad guy in the Doctor Strange movie. So and he also and played. He yeah. is in Hannibal. He was. The, he Hannibal. played. Didn't he play Lecter in Hannibal? Yeah, I think he's he, the main he, character. He Hannibal. did, and he's in a really interesting game that's coming out. In the called, show, the TV uh, show Hannibal. That is not the movie. That's right. That's right. And uh, yeah. there's a there's a really fascinating uh, game that's coming out called Death Standing, which they've teased, and the graphics look absolutely amazing. And uh, he plays uh, one of the bad guys. Uh, look for the for the uh, preview, uh, the trailer for Death Standing if you haven't seen it. But uh, but this is the new movie on Netflix called Polar, and uh, to me, it basically was a movie that uh, the the Netflix AI said, uh, you know, uh, because people are watching these types of movies, uh, we need a John Wick film. So. Uh, so they made their own John Wick type movie. So uh, when you are watching Netflix and it says, uh, because you watch John Wick and because you like this, then you should watch Polar. And uh, it, it, the, the movie's about an assassin who is about to retire at the age of 50. And he... Uh, uh, he Somebody is, kills his he, dog and steals his car? Close. Somebody wants to kill him so they don't have to like pay him the the, the money that they owe him. And it's based on a Dark Horse comic uh, called uh, Polar. It came in from the cold. But I have to say it was a it, it was honestly like somebody said, you know, it'd be cool. A John Wick movie. Let's make a John Wick movie. And so they just pooped out a script and then made this movie. Um, I, I really wish that I, I could get into the pitch meetings at like Netflix or any of the studios, any of the studios. I want to get in the pitch. It just like, a, I just want to listen to them because I think they would be, uh, we, I mean, it would be like a TV show of its own just to listen to these pitch meetings. It'd be hilarious. 
Well, you know, he, he, I, I actually predict that a lot of the stuff coming out of Netflix is is made with the idea of like, okay, well, you know, uh, we have a lot of people that like true crime and a lot of people that like Will Smith movies and a lot of people like Lord of the Rings. So uh, let's put it in our algorithm uh, program and come up with a script. <laughs> oh, bright. That seems cool. Right. So, yes, it's got the know. fantasy. It's got the cop drama. It's got orcs. Yeah. Oh, what are we missing exactly. here? We got video gamers even with orcs? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, that uh, a, a very good friend of mine who we may have on the show, which who we will have on the show in the next few days, uh, is a uh, I will I will give the hint. He's a uh, a very prominent filmmaker, and he said once that Netflix is a place where mediocrity goes to die, and um, I, I I kind of buy into that a little bit. So uh, anyway, <laughs> well, that, uh, well, polar. Uh, <laughs> I I would stay away from it. I would just watch John Wick again. You know, I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug South Park again, but South Park predicted yeah. the rise of AI in studios years ago when they introduced the Osmo 5000. And if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it, go go back and find the Osmo 5000 episode of South Park because the Osmo back then would would actually pitch the studios all the movies, and, and it would they would all be like, Adam Sandler is in. He dresses as a girl. Oh, Jack and Jill, that's brilliant. Adam Sandler is playing golf. Oh, yeah, Happy Gilmore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah. For, it's, a, it's a set. I mean, I used to work in the entertainment industry. I got stories. I will tell you all about it at some point. Uh, but I, I got to say, it's, um, uh, I, I, just, I just hope that we don't run into an AI creativity sort of thing where, you know, <laughs> robots are making our scripts. Because it certainly feels like it. Uh, I got, last I got story two, I want to uh, cover. I got two more. Or right, let me let me just do these. Oh, I think oh you got two more. Well, three more actually. Like, okay. They're really short. They're all short. Okay. Let me just go through them. Right. So two of these are James Cameron related because I'm a big James Cameron fan. Oh. Uh, number one is that the remember we covered the four Avatar titles that were leaked by the studio. Well, James Cameron has come out yeah. on that and said that those are all working titles. None of them are final. So he said that they all are on the list of potential titles, but none of them have been finalized. So he. Uh, he wanted to make it clear that those titles are not official. Uh, and speaking of James Cameron, Terminator 6 is coming out at the end of the year, and they released a new rumored title on that one, which uh, it sounds like it might be official, is Terminator Dark Fate. Terminator Dark Fate. Hmm. And this, again, is the Terminator movie hmm. that ignores everything after Terminator 2. So it's just Terminator 1, Terminator 2, and then Terminator Dark Fate. I, I have high hopes. I, uh, I have high hopes. I'm 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 uh, I'm one of the few. I, I'm in the minority here. Not many people have any hopes for this movie, but I do. Well, it's it's the first Terminator film that James Cameron has been involved with since Terminator Two. Yeah. So there is that. But then again, this movie could be called Terminator Six. F you. You'll see it no matter what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the well. I, the, the last title. one. What else you got one for didn't us? Do that well though. So I don't know that everyone's going to see it. I'll see it no matter what. That's for sure. Uh, the last one is yeah. that they pulled the plug yeah. on World War Z2. So uh, David Fincher was attached to direct World War Z2, and the plug was pulled this weekend. Uh, I don't know what happened, but that movie is no longer happening. So the World War Z sequel, as it stands right now, is dead. And the world mourns. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> Um, big, big news. Now, when I was, uh, I was working in the entertainment industry from, uh, circa 1991 to 2003. 
and the the Oscars were like a holiday time. It was everybody like that would like everybody saw all the movies. Like it was all anybody talked about. You yeah. know the trouble. The trouble with Hollywood, though, is this: is that uh, it it attracts people who are so insecure about themselves that they feel like in order for them to be fulfilled, they need to be famous and validated. They need to be famous. And so the the place that you did that back in the day was the entertainment industry. Now it's YouTube and uh, Instagram. But, uh, but so people would, uh, would have these huge personality disorders and they would become uh, executive producers on movies and uh, and and you know these people are not curing cancer, but they're spending a hundred million dollars to make a mediocre film. And uh, and the people that made it, the people that really did well, were the most ruthless of those people who were completely the ones with a little bit of that psychopath in them, maybe. Pretty much. So um, after a while, I couldn't really hang with that uh, scene anymore. But uh, the Oscars were like the biggest deal in the world. So what was interesting is that in order to become more relevant, because over the past few years, nobody is paying attention to the Oscars. So the Oscars decided, well, we need to reboot the Oscars and make it more relevant to people. So what did they decide to do? They decided first to get uh, you know, a, a new host, and uh, they couldn't find anyone who would actually do it after Kevin Hart uh, had some vaguely inappropriate tweets from like 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> everybody just scattered like roaches and they're like, no way, you know, cause you know that their whole past would be dug up to find that one thing. So yeah. uh, then they introduced uh, before that they introduced a new category, which was going to be most popular film. And I think that this was going to be the Oscars way to give black Panther a much deserved Oscar but uh, they knew they could; it wouldn't win Best Picture. But uh, and I don't know by whose standards most popular is ends up being. But they uh, they decided to do this whole thing with the most popular that nobody liked that idea. So they said, well, we'll do this sometime in the future. Uh, they couldn't get a good host, and in in the same way that a, a giraffe is a horse built by a committee. Uh, the the reboot uh, uh, efforts to make the Oscars relevant have made it completely even more irrelevant. So there will be no host for the 2019 Oscars. And uh, that's, that's it. I think, I think the Oscars are done. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, they were like an event. I mean, we used to like order dinner. We'd go out, we'd go out and get to go dinner. We'd sit down with the family and watch the Oscars. And I would be like excited for it. They used to, even at the video stores, they'd have those things where you'd fill out your, you'd guess as to who would win and they would have prizes and things like that. It was a big deal. It was like the Super Bowl for movies. And, and now, yeah. like, I don't even know who's nominated. I could care less. I'm not going to watch the Oscars. I mean, maybe I'll watch the highlights of them after on a talk show, but I'm not going to watch them. Yeah, well, especially uh, because some of the you know the movies that are picked are not pe- movies or pieces of entertainment that anyone's really interested in. I mean, uh, no, have you – That doesn't bother seen- me that much though because – Right. It doesn't bother me that much because I, I like most of the time if I go back and, and watch like those independent movies, they're usually pretty good. So it's not yeah. necessarily, I'm, that doesn't necessarily bother me that much. But yeah, they, these are movies that nobody's heard of. The majority of people have not heard of them. Nobody had heard of Moonlight until it won Best Picture. And right. I had not Has heard, anyone of heard of until like, it won. Right. 
Lost in, I had not heard of Green Book till it won Best Picture at the Golden Globes. So now I did see uh, Black Klansman. I thought it was very entertaining. Was it Best Picture worthy? Mm, uh, I haven't heard of The Favorite. I saw a preview for it. It looks pretty good. I did see Roma, which is available on Netflix. How was it's it? It's a great. It's a great movie, but it's kind of an art house film, and yeah. you know, and it's subtitled the weird, too. You know. Here's the weird thing about our time in this day and age. I I, I have trouble – me, I, I love movies, but I, I have trouble sitting through a two-hour movie, yet I will binge watch a 10-hour episode of something. I – you know, uh, 10, 10 one-hour episodes of a show. So I don't know. It's a weird – it's a weird time, man. It's a weird time. We live in a weird time. And with that... What else is nominated? Anything else nominated? Uh, Black Panther, man. Black Panther. Rhinos with armor. If you love rhinos with armor, vote for Black Panther. Man, I love Black Panther, and I think it I think it should get win Best Picture. I think it should. You know why? Why? Black Panther's the type of movie that makes us want to go to the movies. That's true. It does That's have sad. it does have a much stronger impact than any of the other movies. Then Roma is on Netflix only, pretty much. It made it to like four theaters worldwide. <laughs> so listen, if you like the show, which I know you do, tell 500 of your closest friends. Leave a review. Tell everybody how much you like the show, at the very minimum. And if you really like the show. Hit the link down below. Visit our uh, our, our Patreon our page. page. Don't donate a little bit of money and tell us how much you love us because we love you. If you could review us on iTunes, we will adore you for it. Uh, we really want to get our iTunes ratings up so we can attract a new audience to the show. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, review us on Spotify too as we are now moving into that platform. So we'll be promoting Spotify more and more going forward.